No Sitting on the Sideline Dad Podcast, episode number nine. Another episode of No Sitting on the Sideline Dad Podcast. Hey, my name is Joe Foley, and I'm the host, and I'm a dad and parent just like you. I want to say thank you for being here. I know as a dad and a parent, a time is limited, so I choose you choose to spend time listening to me it means a lot. We're all trying to get through this crazy world busy, especially this time of year. This podcast is about having a conversation what it means to be a dad and a parent, an important topic issue related to being a dad and a parent. And stuff that I find on the way that might be interesting that relates to this crazy world about we live in parenting and being a dad. On today's episode of the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, I have a very special guest. Her name is Ginger Gentile. She's the director from the Erasing Family documentary. This topic is very deep and tough to talk about, but it is important. Something that I kind of um, can't relate to. So let's jump right into the interview. Well, my guest today on the No City on the Sideline Dad podcast is Ginger Gentile. Gentile and Ginger is the director of the Dark Amanda Erasing Family. Welcome, Ginger, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very honored to be on this podcast with you and to talk to you about my first film, Erasing Dad, the follow-up Erasing Family, and how we can give all of our children more love and more support from their moms and their dads. A um, little bit about a uh, um, little about you. Since we're you know recording Christmas and New Year's, what is some of the family traditions when you you went through when you were growing up? Well, in my house, when my parents were still together, holidays were very important. And one thing that I, the thing I think that is unique in our family, is that for Easter. Uh, my dad and my mom would give us maps with the locations of all the eggs, <laughs> and I credit that to, well, they also said so that we, they re, would remember where they hid them so they wouldn't have a stinking old egg, <laughs> but I credit them with, uh, with really increasing my map sk- reading skills and my sense of direction, um, because from the time I was two or three, we had to find the Easter eggs with, uh, with the map. And then also it's very clear that it was, which ones were for me and which ones for, were for my sister. So there was no fighting over the eggs because we each had different maps. So that's the most unique, uh, tradition. And I guess then the other thing is that, um, I grew up in a bi, uh, religious household. So my dad is Catholic. My mom was Jewish. So, uh, we also did a lot of, you know, mixes in that so like today like on christmas we uh my sister and i we spend time at my dad's house and then when i when we went back to her house and we lit the second candle of the menorah well so that's um that's very important tradition is very important so that mm-hmm. you did you do come from a divorced family so this this film kind of probably this documentary must mean a lot to you it does but what's interesting is that uh Erasing Dad came out in 2014, and when I started the project, I didn't see any connection to my own life. Um, and it was only like kind of when I was halfway through the project that I saw a connection to my own life, and it became a lot more personal. Um, but I think what's very interesting is that when kids 
are dealing with the trauma of being separated from a parent after divorce, uh, because that's what, you know, both films are about. They're about how the courts will erase a loving parent. And when you're a kid and you're going through this, you don't see what it is. Mm -hmm. So I didn't see it as that my mom prevented me from seeing my dad or... I didn't know what the custody agreement was, really. I didn't know how the courts were involved. I just saw it as my dad was in, you know, a bad person, and I was very angry at him. Yeah, so that's something I always tell parents when they're trying to reconnect with their, with their erased children is that, you know, kids don't auto-identify as being victims of a problem like the adults do. They see it as a very logical conclusion to the parents' own actions. Yeah, I mean, um, there's how the law do with parent, parent law, parental alienation and stuff like that is that mm-hmm. in a lot of the separation of the parents one parent um i can see from my own life that the parents would pit, pit you against the other parent or uh talk right. down the other parent is that something that was isn't very important in the, in the documentary or i mean <gasps> talked about parent alienation yes. parent alienation yes i mean i we don't use the term um because in argentina where we made a racing dad it's very controversial. So the term that we decided on is family bond obstruction, um, which I like because it, it implies that the whole family becomes separated from this child, erased from their lives, and also that anyone can obstruct a family bond, so not just the other parent, but, you know, the schools and the judges uh, can also do that. So that's a term we use. But, um, but yeah, they, they are about... what 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 do you want me to explain what the films are about? Yes, please. Okay. So, um, a racing dad is a feature length documentary about the fight of six fathers in Argentina to be dads after divorce and separation. When we made the film in Argentina, custody was automatically granted to the mother. And what's interesting about the film is not only do we see the suffering that these men go through just to be in their children's lives, just to see them. So we're not even talking about joint custody, but just to, like, know where they are and, and see them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they go through hell and back. You know, one dad, the mom tries to kill the kid, and nobody will do anything about it. Um, another father is prevented from seeing her, his, his son because the mother denounces him or makes it, accuses him of, of speaking Russian to the child who's Russian and not letting the child watch enough TV. So that's enough to separate him. But what makes the film very interesting is that I was able to interview professionals who work to separate fathers from their children, and they admit to everything that they do on camera, and they say that the worst place for a child is their own home because of the presence of the father, because all fathers are potential rapists, and child abusers. That's a very negative uh, light on fathers, too. I mean, that's that doesn't seem like it's a really good thing and um, for fathers. Of to course be, not. Like that. And then what did they do when the film came out? They got the film censored in Argentina for six months because when people who, you know, professionally alienate children and... I'm not sure how much you deal with parental alienation on your show, but there's a whole industry that prolongs family conflict in the family courts um, because the more professionals that are involved, the more years that a case goes on, the more money there is to be made, right? So there are people who professionally separate families and make money off of this. 
And they like to keep what they're doing in the dark, and they present themselves to society as heroes, right? They are the protectors of children. Uh, they're often called friends of children or, you know, the children's attorney or whatever. Or they're psychologists and social workers. And while, of course, there are good people, a lot of them, they're not used to saying what they believe and what they do in public. So when the Argentinian public and the South American public in general saw what these professionals were saying, they were horrified and appalled, and their only response, because they work with fear and manipulation, is to ask for the film to be censored. Now, the wonderful thing about that, which I can't believe they did this, is that everybody wants to see a censored film. <laughs> so our little documentary became the most talked about movie in Argentina in 2014. It was the front page of newspapers. We were on every major talk show. And what's most important is we used the film as an excuse to talk about this problem, which is erasing loving parents from their children's lives after divorce and separation. So there really was a huge shift. And as soon as we made the Erasing Dad film and it came out, and also the, the stress for your film being censored, because, you know, it's looking back, you know, it's great because it was an excuse to get people to watch the film and for people to come out and say, I'm being erased from my children's lives because before it was such a taboo subject that people didn't even really, you know, talk about it in public. Um, so we always wanted to make a sequel. I moved back to the United States, where I'm from, after spending 12 years in Argentina. And I thought, you know, inspired on my own life. I'm like, well, if I didn't realize that this happened to me until I was two years into working on a documentary film about this, I need to make a film for all the children, adult children, who are not talking to their mom or their dad, and they don't know why. And they think that it's because their mom or their dad is a bad person and is bad for them. And so Erasing Family will focus on how um, erasing a parent from a kid's life after divorce or separation causes them lasting trauma. And the protagonist of the film will be young people themselves who discover why they're prevented from seeing and loving their mom or their dad for so many years and what it's like when they're finally reunited with them. But then they find out that the struggle's not over because then the other half of the family rejects them. So we're going to be using the kids' stories to guide the viewers from into the crazy labyrinth of, uh, and Kafka-esque stories that are the family court system. It's almost like it's like a, almost like big business sometimes. It just seems like it is a big business. I mean, divorce in the United States earns t the divorce industry, and this is a low estimate, makes twenty-five times more money a year than Starbucks. Wow. That's a line. I can see the line out of Starbucks, a lot of coffee, people drinking coffee. Right. And we're not even counting about child support. We're just counting about divorce proceedings. Yes, that can be very expensive. Um, it is. And um, how are you assuring impact, um, impact on, from, this, from this documentary? How are you, like, have you any awareness campaigns? Um, Definitely. For us at the Erasing Family team, we think of the impact campaign when we begin to think of the film. And so, for example, we're, we're not even really into full production yet. Um, you know, we're still in the development and the early stages of filming. And we already have more than 9,000 followers on Facebook and more than 1,000 followers on Twitter and Instagram. And most of them are parents who share their uh, photos and their stories. So we ask everybody to be sending in a photo that has hashtag erased mom, dad, grandparent, cousin, sister, whatever you are, or the whole family, and then tell your story in a few sentences so we can share it. It's just a way to show how many people are out there, the diversity of cases. We have people from all walks of life, every ethnic group you can imagine, every economic group you can imagine, and from all over the world. So we'll get photos 
from the United States, of course, from Argentina, South America, but we'll get photos from France, from Iceland, from Thailand, from the Philippines, all over the world because it's such a huge global problem. And we're really getting the entire family to speak out. So it's not just that a mom or a dad, and in most cases their dads, can't see their kids. It's the, it affects, you know, the grandparent. In a lot of cases, there are siblings who are torn apart by this because they have uh, either the divorce is so conflictive that they can't see each other or that they have, you know, they only have one parent in common. And so you have siblings who haven't been able to see each other for, for years at times. So we're, and the other aspect is that we want to get this to be talked about by people who normally don't talk about it, so not the primary victims. So we are working with celebrities to create public service um announcements. We've already done one with Tamara Judge, who is on the Real Housewives of Orange County, and she can't see her daughter, who's 16 years old, and we want to get dads. I mean, obviously, you know, I love for Brad Pitt to do it, um, <laughs> but if not, there's a ton of other dads out there going through this, and we're in touch with some of them, because it just it's another way to bring awareness, because what's interesting is that the tabloids report on this all the time. But what we want to do at the Erasing Family Documentary Project is to direct that conversation. So instead of saying custody battle, which is a term that I hate, these are families that are victims of institutional violence because the courts are tearing them apart. So it's not about mom and dad being mean to each other. It's about a system that makes money off of prolonging family conflict. Where can um, people um, help where they and find the documentary? They can find the first documentary we did, Erasing Dad. It's 78 minutes long. It's in Spanish with English subtitles. We put it up on YouTube because when we knew the film would, was going to be censored the day after the premiere, we just kind of had a feeling. We put it on YouTube because we're like, okay, even if it's censored, once it's on the Internet, people will find a way to share it. So um, they actually had to take it off of YouTube um, in Argentina. Um, we got a court order to take it down. Um, but it's now back up, so we lost a lot of views, but you can still see it. And the embed of that and other videos that we're doing are at www.erasingfamily.org. That's erasingfamily.org. And if people want to contact me, they can email me at info at erasingfamily.org. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Erasing Family. Very easy to remember. And if people want to make a tax-deductible donation, they can do so on our webpage, erasingfamily.org. We have fiscal sponsorship. And all the funds that we receive, uh, we use immediately in the production of the film. And also what's nice is if anyone donates over $50, they get a in the credits of the film. They'll get a dedication to their kid or a thank you, so they can you know write a short message to their child or children if they're missing them. And um, also for anyone who donates over a thousand dollars, we will um, credit you as associate producer. And we've been lucky that four people have come forward at that level. And it's we've just recently reached a hundred backers for the project. We're getting a lot of support because what a lot of parents realize is that. The courts won't do anything, and so the only hope they have left is soft power. So a film that will encourage family reunification and speaks to young people is going to be very unique. Um, I, I really, really like what you're doing and in helping out with the families with being through all this hard time and crisis. It's really important, and I, and I really commend you for what you're doing. Well, thank you so much. Um, thank you for having us on here, and 
I encourage anyone who wants to find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Erasing Family, or go to our website, erasingfamily.org. Watch the first film. It's free on the Internet. And what a lot of people say, well, there's two things about the film Erasing Dad. The first is that even though it's about Argentina, how similar the stories are the whole world over. And I've talked to so many families, and let me tell you, they're the same the world over, and the stories repeat, and even dramatic stories involving homicide, uh, you know, where, like, uh, you know, they get repeated, unfortunately. So even the most dramatic ones, it really is the same. And the other thing that a lot of parents do tell me is that it's very hard for them to get through the movie because we have a hidden camera in about minute 15 of a dad who goes to the school to pick up his kids, and... um the mom won't let him pick up his kids, even though he has a court order allowing them, and the cops are called, and the cops don't do anything. And that sensation of no matter what you do, no one is there to help you, and you're always blamed, it hit home for a lot of families. And then to see what that dad goes through when he finds out that the mom tried to kill his son, That's you know, it's a very dramatic film. And, he just, and, he, and, the, and the crazy thing is he's a nurse. He would be and a volunteer firefighter, and it's like if anyone would be, you know, a great dad, it's this guy, you know, because he's a trained, you know, trauma nurse, and you know, he heals people for a living. And uh, even after the mom, you know, tried to kill the son, uh, she retained custody. That's 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 some reason the system seems not right when that when stuff like that happens. Definitely, and these stories are all too common, and that's why you know we really feel that part of the solution is. Uh, making shared parenting, sometimes it's called uh, shared custody or joint custody, uh, the norm. Because if you just make it the default option, there's less to fight over. And uh, one of the interviews I'm doing for Racing Family, uh, one of the professors who I interviewed, she told me, she says this a lot, and she's like, when we give judges discretion, we're just giving them room to act on their unconscious biases and a lot of these gender biases that we all have that we're not aware of. So by making shared custody the default option, we can take away a lot of grounds for conflict and help families heal because divorce is always hard and tricky, but what we needs to have is that, that people don't fight again with each other too much so that after a year or two, they might be able to sit down and have Thanksgiving dinner together, right? Yeah. But if they're always fighting over money, over share, over time, and they're always attacking each other because that's what they are told to do, that healing is impossible, and that healing is so important for the children because children have the right, even if they don't like one of their parents, to know them because that is how they form their identity. But by erasing them, by saying that that parent doesn't exist, you're causing lasting trauma on a child. Just so true, and I'm, I love how you are and leveraging the social media and getting the word out too. It's a, it's a six six thousand followers on on Facebook. It's amazing how you're leveraging nine thousand nine thousand followers. No, I'm sorry, nine thousand two hundred and nine thousand two hundred twenty eight. If I check today, but what's most important to us isn't the number of followers. It's how active they are, how engaged they are, and how and this is sad how desperate they are to see their kids. You know. Um, and how we're trying, you know, and it's hard, but like, cause what can we do as filmmakers? And it's like giving people the tools to talk about their stories. So for example, 
instead of saying, I suffer from parental alienation, which is a lot to say, you know, people have really started to say, I'm an erased mom and erased dad, and people get it right away. So what we really want to help people do is have a if give, is give them a narrative to explain what's going on to them, to their own friends and family, to society in general, but then also creating a message that young people will listen to and hopefully encourage them to give that parent who they're not talking to a second chance. Wow, that's, that's so true. And um, it's a really important. It's really important. Um, to try to create some kind of um, last love for the children, even though you're separated. And it, it is, and I mean, you know, it, it is possible, and that's why it's so great that you're doing your podcast that encourages dads to be more active. There, there has been, and you've seen this, I'm sure, a huge shift in what it means to be a father. Um, like, even in my own life, my father, he's older, he's 75, and he told me that his dad never spoke to him growing up. Oh, that's a different generation. That's and um, that's a different generation. But and he said, he, no, he didn't speak to me until I started playing football in high school because then I became interesting. Oh wow, that's that's, that's that would sound crazy now. If someone if someone said to you, oh, I don't talk to my kids because that's woman's work taking care of them, you'd be like, Ooh, dude, what's your problem? But that was normal. Um, and then my dad, you know, he changed my diapers. He, you know, he was a very active dad. He played with us a lot. Um, but still, you know, he was probably more distant than fathers are today. And there's a huge generational shift, and it's wonderful, you know. Um, and that's what we also, the other part of our message, shared parenting is modern because it assumes that both parents are equally good, can be equally responsible, and it's good for the dad because it gets him more involved in his kids' lives. And it's also good for the mom because it enables her to not stay at home with the kids but to develop her life. And this is the modern, um, fair, and equitable option. And what's so surprising to people is that they think it's the norm, they think it should be the norm, but it happens in less than 15% of divorces in the United States end up with a shared parenting plan. Even in California, where everybody thinks shared parenting is the norm, it is not. I know some states don't have that, that um, shared parenting plan. It's not, like you said, in uh, California, it's 15%, but I know that some states don't have that. Well, sh- well California, so the supposed default option is 50-50. Mm-hmm. And that's what everybody thinks. I was talking to another documentary filmmaker who did a film on divorce, and I was talking to her about my, my, the subject of a racing family documentary, that it's, you know, um, about parents who can't see their kids. And she goes, well, I'm sure you don't have any stories from California, because in California everybody gets shared parenting. I was like, I can introduce you to so many people who can't see their kids. You know, moms and dads who have just been completely blocked out of their kids' lives. And it's the minority of cases that get shared parenting in a state that's pro-shared parenting. It's a, that's what's crazy. It's like, you know, it's, it's not even just the states that don't allow it. It's in the states that allow it. It's not being enacted because people don't see this as an option. And there's a lot of incentives in the system not to grant a shared parenting plan. Well, that's that's interesting. That um, it's very important. The fifty 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 custody, uh, fifty fifty sharing mm-hmm. a family plan. Well, and we're running up. Um, we're gonna wrap it up because we're running out of time. Yeah. Um, any lasting thing you want to say? Anything you want to say? Um, parting words or anything like that? I, if there are any parents out there who are listening who can't see their kids or who see them not as much as they like, who feel like they're being erased, I would say you're not alone. Read up what you can. Find a support group. 
very important because you need to stay healthy. And it's unfortunate that so many parents, they get depressed. Um, suicide is even common. So really take time to take care. of. So as I was saying, it's, it's, it can be very hard if you can't see your kid to really, it's okay to be angry and your anger is probably justified, but you need to work on being love and acceptance and peace so that there's something that your child eventually will want to come back to. So accepting that you're a victim of an unjust situation, at some point you have to transform that into love and forgiveness and understanding and know that if your child says, I hate you, I don't want to see you, that those are the words they were taught to say and never blame your child. Uh, For a lot of people, this is obvious, but for some people it isn't. Um, For my father, it wasn't. And that's why we were, our strength, we were, you know, separated for so long in part because he didn't know the right things to say. Um, you know, I say, I hate you, dad. And he'd say, I hate you too. And, you know, as a parent, it, you know, you have to respond with love and the message you give on social media, which that's the other thing I just want to mention. Uh, the court of public opinion and family court looks at your social media account, make it about love and peace and understanding and always focus on what you miss about your child. And if you can't see them, write to them, blog about them, um, you know, make it obvious that they know that you're thinking about them, even if they don't see it in the moment. So you have to something to show them when you reunite. Um, because a lot of parents are like, well, I'm going to keep on fighting in court so my kid will see it. And that's great. But if you know you're going to lose, there's other ways to show that your kid that you're fighting for them. And I encourage you to look at other ways too. And just to know that you're not alone and to take care of yourself, especially over the holidays. Well, thank you, Ginger. I really do appreciate the podcast. And um, I wish you a lots of luck with the, and, um, and I hope it, um, with the documentary. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's all for this episode. I want to thank you for joining me on to No See on the Sideline Dad podcast. I really want to say thank you to Ginger Gentile from a racing family documentary for coming on the podcast. This is a point topic discussed because kids are stuck in the middle of divorce. Divorce can be messy and mean and nasty. These kids always have a chance to love both parents equally. A lot of emotion and anger during the time of process of divorce. I guess there's, there's the end of relationship with mom and dad. Put the shit out between the parents and the child. The kids should never be used as a weapon against one other parent. The kids should be loved by both parents. Well, if you want any more information about a racing family or a racing dad, jump right over to erasingfamily.org and all the information will be over there, how you can contribute, information about the documentary and about other people's stories about family members being erased. It's a sad situation, but sometimes it's the hard truth. So jump, uh, please take a look. Again, it's racingfamily.org. Also, if you can find all the show notes over at nosittingonthesideline.com and please comment on the podcast. All comments help improve the podcast, even positive and negative, or just say hello, because I enjoy talking to people. I can be reached at joe at nosittingonthesideline.com. That's my email. And also, I'm very active on Twitter. You can find me at, at NOSDadPodcast. Well, thank you, for you, thank you for your time. Until next time, have fun. Get involved with your children and give them a hug and tell them how much you love them, because it's very important. Until next time, see ya.